Okay. Um, Hello. We are back with episode two of Start Listening. Um, is it Start Listening? We've decided that. I think it is. Start. I don't know. I prefer Start Listening. Jesse said St. Art Listening, but I, I prefer Start Listening. I think Start Listening is better. Yeah, um, agreed. So we're back with episode two um, on time this time. So you were going to get a full hour of us rather than the um, 45 minutes of last week. Um, we are missing our intrepid leader, Jesse. Uh, so you just have me and Thomas today, but we miss her. She'll be back soon. <laughs> um, but we are trying to figure out how to work all the controls. So hopefully... Well, we'll make do, I yeah, think. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, again, it's the, the wonderful thing about not being tech trained properly um, is that we just kind of have to wing it a little bit. Um, Hopefully this is on at the moment. I believe it is. Um, okay. I could be wrong, but I can hear myself. I think the mics are on, so. Can you hear me? Yes. yes okay, yes, yes. well, then I think we're fine. Yeah, we should be good. Um, again, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't um, imagine so. Um so, um, on this week's um, episode, I guess it's kind of our intro, um, but we're kind of going to follow the same sort of format that we did, um, you know, brief intro, and then we're going to get into the meat of it. So, um, I guess I should ask first, um, how is everything? How, how have you been? Um, I'm okay. I mean, today has been a little... Oh, update from my mom. She said we're on. So that's oh, good. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, mom. Anyway, so I've been okay. I had two two big essays this week, mm. so that was a lot of work. Um, haven't gotten a lot of sleep, but today I, I caught up on it, which I know is not like medically a real thing to catch up on sleep, but I was able to sleep in, so I was happy about that. Yeah. Um, I think there, even though you may not technically like catch up, I think there's a sense of your feeling like you can get a proper sense of rest, which I think is That's important. True. Yeah, kind of um, a sad day though today, like outside. Yeah, it's Very um, dreary. It's pretty gloomy. Um, yeah, no, I've been good. Um, oh yeah, how are you? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. I'm good. Um, my first article, or like, got published. We can kind of talk about that at yeah, the end. Yeah, I posted that today. Um, very exciting. Yeah, so. And my first article too, actually. Oh, look at that. Wonderful. So it's been published. Um, so do check that out. Um, it's a couple of my photos from Barcelona, but we can talk about it later. But I've been good. The strikes are being paused. So I do have class next week. For Wait, they're being paused? Yes. Or at least some of them are. So you should probably have class next week. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I got an email from my professor. Well, I got an email from a professor that was like, oh, I don't, I'm not participating in the strike. So oh, I okay. just figured that's what it was. But Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, my professor, he emailed us um, the other day, I think yesterday, and said um, that the strike action has been paused by the UCU. Um, so as oh. a result, I do have class next week, which is exciting, but also... Ugh, class um and i know i i'm like i have more time to do stuff but also i really like class so it's fine yeah yeah, yeah. so with that i do have um essays due at the end or the start of week seven that i've not really started that i need to get going on which is kind of going to be the fun part of this next week considering that Yay, it fun. is week are you six. going anywhere for february break no i mean i have, to, I have two things oh, to yeah, do have, right after okay, i can't sorry. really i can't like i can't book anything it's the kind of thing that if i finish up i might travel but oh, like just somewhere in scotland yeah maybe or see where this i can get a cheap flight for like a mm, couple of days enough. or something yeah. but as it stands right now nothing concrete i have to write an article for foreign affairs review for wednesday but 
Aside from that, all is... Foreign Affairs Review. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, all is pretty good here. We are um, good to be back. Um, and the main topic for this week is going to be uh, Ocean Vuong. I believe I'm Vuong, saying... I Vuong, Okay. I, again, I... That's how they pronounce it on, like, most of his interviews. Okay. But yes. it could... Ocean Vuong. I could also be wrong. I, I, would, I would assume the interviews get it right. Um, Ocean Vuong. I'm not the most comfortable with Vietnamese pronunciations, but... That's going to be the at least one of our main topics um, this week. Um, but before that, we're going to play a song um, and kind of uh, segue into kind of the main meat of our um, podcast, stroke radio show, kind of whatever you want to call it. Stroke? Um, yes, like like, like slash. slash. Yeah, but you or, okay. or like stroke okay. could also be Never considered like a like a dash, like an M dash. Okay. Um, I just, it's a very British thing and I kind of sometimes say it. But anyway, um, I think we're going to play a song. I'm going to play um, a song from one of my favorite rap groups um, called The Tribal Quest. We're going to play uh, We've Got the Jazz, or I suppose Jazz brackets, We've Got, close brackets, but it's called We've Got the Jazz by A Tribal Quest. So I'm going to play that for you all right now. Enjoy. Okay, Hello. and we are back. Um, there was a weird mix because the the way that the music works on here is that I think a lot of it is downloaded from YouTube. So that was a combination of We've Got the Jazz and another Tribal Quest song, which I can't remember the name of. Um, but we're back after yes. our little brief music break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm just going to kind of give a brief introduction into Ocean Vong and we can kind of get our little discussion going. Yeah, so just a little uh, content warning before we start. Ocean Vong does write about uh, homophobia, violence, PTSD, a lot of um, heavier topics. So if you are not in the mood to listen to that today, then I would possibly click off this episode, maybe come back to it later. Um, But we hope you enjoyed the intro where we talked about our days. Um, So just wanted to put that out there just so everyone's aware. Everyone can stay safe. Um, so basically like bare bones, biolog- biological, no, biographical information. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born in Vietnam and then moved to Hartford, Connecticut when he was two years old. Um, his family obviously as immigrants were, had a lot of ta- hard time like integrating into American society. So a lot of his work focuses on that. Um, so he was in a working class family of nail salon and factory labors. Um, so he, he had a very rough go of it in the beginning of his life. Um, but he was able to actually, he became Buddhist and, um, kind of cleaned up his act basically and went to, um, Manchester community college, then transferred to Pace university to study international marketing, but then dropped out, um, to attend Brooklyn college and has his bachelor's degree in 19th century American literature, and then he got a master's in poetry from NYU, and he is currently a professor um, in the creative writing master's program at NYU. Um, so, again, another thing I want to say before we start is I come from, personally speaking, I come from a very privileged um, background. And so I am going to try and be very careful about um the way that one of the articles I read put it um, said he bristles against being pigeonholed as a tour guide to his communities. So I think what they're saying in that is, you know, like, don't use his poetry as 
or his writing as a way to like I don't know. Like, does that make sense to you? Like, yes, yes, yes. don't, I, don't, don't be like, oh, this is, you know, the immigrant experience and like, I'm super, you know, woke for reading the poetry or whatever. Just be aware of like your privilege and yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're reading and listening and thinking and writing. <laughs> but I think that's like one of the kind of important transcendent facts of like literature is that even though you are not the same as this person, you can read and experience um, like read literature and experience um, kind of similar things and kind of find a harmony in that sense. Connection, for uh, sure. Yeah, which is, I think, even though obviously he's not a tour guide, I think there is a very real sense of like you, him being kind of, even though you, you have very different ex- life experiences, you can kind of still connect and find meaning in work despite that fact. Which yeah, I think for is really sure. Um, cool. This kind of, that conversation kind of connects to my you know, first experience reading any of his work was actually my AP lit class. Um, I had a teacher who was like my favorite teacher ever um, and actually inspired me to study English. Well, not inspired me, but like prompted me to study English. Um, her name is Miss Peterson. Uh, and she s- assigned this as one of our AP lit books. And I went to a predominantly white, um, pretty rich private school in the U.S. Um, and it was... <laughs> Very interesting to listen to people who were not very aware of their privilege reading this work, and you could see them like visibly uncomfortable. And uh, to be fair, a lot of his work does make you uncomfortable, but it, it definitely made me think about like where I was and where I was coming from, um, and also kind of realize how the people around me were maybe not as aware of, you know, the good things they had in life. So. Yeah, I, I think, again, that's another, like, just to chime in again, it's, like, it's an, another important part of, like, literature is being able to kind of read things that, like, challenge you and make you uncomfortable. Yeah, not not just sure. in literature, but, like, in life. I think doing those things and being challenged and being uncomfortable and being forced to kind of reckon with things that you don't normally reckon with is important for, for growth. It um, definitely is, yeah. And my Miss Peterson actually was, like, talking to me about that. Mm-hmm. She was saying, you know, like, a lot of parents or, like, a lot of students are coming to me about this book and saying, you know, I don't really think it's appropriate for me to be reading this or listening to, or, you know, whatever, like reading this work. And she was like, you know, I just want them to have, you know, some sort of other, um, other experience on their own. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's also like, it's a very common fact of a lot of schools where parents might not want, like students don't want to be challenged. They don't want to have to think critically a lot of the time because it's hard and it's not fun. Um, when you have to think critically and properly, like, examine a lot of the things you have to deal with. So, yeah. like, I, I understand. Like what other people are going through. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a scene of, like, there's there's a gay sex scene in, in his book. And yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of people in my class were just, like, completely uncomfortable with of it. Of course, And I'm yeah. like, yeah, of course you're uncomfortable with it because you don't have to deal with this, you know. Um, and I, I had a few friends who are LGBTQ and... They were like, imagine me having to like sit in a room with all these people who I know, oh yeah, like yeah, don't yeah, really yeah. want to, <laughs> you know, interact with this material and like have to talk about it with them, like be in a, a breakout room with them talking about, you know, my own experience of like yeah. being queer or whatever, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and then those people just being like, okay, like I don't really want to read this, you know, it's it was. It's a little disheartening for it, sure. It was. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just, again, but it's just important to 
you challenge because even if you know that's i think the most important lesson from reading um literature like this is that you kind of think no maybe not think differently but you kind of might i guess think differently is maybe what i'm trying to get it like you you'll approach something from a different perspective because you realize Definitely. that there are different perspectives that you didn't initially consider and you know hopefully it can make you more open-minded and you know cognizant of other perspectives um yeah so i guess back to the biographical i don't know why my brain keeps saying biological um, biographical information so he is generally considered to be an experimental poet which means that he really often plays with form and style so if you that basically means if you look on the page of his work it doesn't look like you know shakespeare sonnet or just like paragraphs he really likes to play around with um form so there's different indents different spacing um and he actually has a lot to say about that we don't have time to talk about I also don't think it's very interesting to a lot of people, but um, he has a lot to say about form. It's very interesting if you read some of his interviews and his work about um, kind of mixing poetry and prose, etc. Um, so he has two poetry collections published, uh, Night Sky with Exit Wounds in 2016, and then Time as a Mother, which came out in 2022. And then as we were talking about, the novel that I was first introduced to him was On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous, which was published in 2019. Um, so kind of a little bit about his like themes and his work um a quote is vestiges of the vietnam war and the experience of experiences of queer and immigrant folks in america um and his book partly pulls from his own life even though it's fictional as well Mm -hmm. um so he he definitely talks a lot about themes of like war violence queerness immigration you know not fitting in um basically anything to do with his life experience and it's Mm -hmm. his work is just so emotional and and beautiful and it's one of those you know sometimes you read something and you you're like this is this person like knows words and this person Mm -hmm. just fully understands you know like they're it's just beautiful some like even if you don't know what he's saying you're like this is just an absolute mastery of the english language in my opinion yeah yeah yeah. I, i think again and it's when you find those people that you can read their their work and kind of be like, wow, this is incredible. This really makes me um, like feel something, you know, and I think it's so incredible when you read that kind of stuff and you say, I, the way that, you know, words, which are kind of the building blocks of everything, like them coming together, I think is really, really cool. And like, just makes you also, I, I sometimes feel self-conscious when I read like really good writing. So I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. But at the same time, I think it's less about like reflecting on yourself and being like, oh, I can't do that. More being like, this is, you know, a mastery, as you said, like, like a mastery. This person of the can language. do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, it's kind of interesting. Also, like I'm talking about the mastery of English language. So he actually came from uh, Vietnam. We already said that. Mm-hmm. But he was illiterate until he was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his family was all illiterate around him. So for him to come, it, come like, Obviously, English not his first language. He didn't learn to read till he was eleven. He like faced a lot of drug problems because mm-hmm. he was growing up like during opioid crisis in Connecticut. Um, and for him to to be able to produce work like this and overcome that adversity, I think is just it's it's just remarkable. Really, it is. Yeah, and I I almost wonder in that sense of like learning so late, almost in that sense where you're not like trapped in a lot of the pitfalls that a lot of um, like maybe younger people are like so i feel like if you're learning when you're 11 you're one playing catch up but two i feel like you're almost already starting with maybe more advanced literature and um 
I because I, I assume even though he's illiterate, he has like a sense of you know you're still speaking and like talking to people right, right. right at the age of eleven. So I almost think it's very interesting, um, and I, and I kind of think of other parallels of like obviously it's not the same, but of like people who might be um, like learning like a sport, for example, like much older in life, like. I think of an example. There's a player on like the basketball team that I support who like didn't start learning until the like what? the age basketball the basketball team, team that okay. I support. Like he didn't learn. What's the basketball team? Like Toronto Raptors. Like he didn't start playing until he was like 16, mm-hmm. which is like most of the people who play. Like you know you learn at like age four or stuff. Right, right. So in that sense, you kind of when you're learning from such a later age, you almost feel like you you have a lot of the skills gained from other parts of your life, and then transfer. Yeah, like it's it's transferable rather than kind of being stuck building from kind of the the basics like you kind of ignore a lot of like those those like learned things you kind of get from the beginning and you can kind of progress from the start which i think is really um interesting to uh to consider and we are back hopefully you enjoyed big iron uh one of my favorite songs welcome back to start listening the start listening podcast the official podcast of uh start magazine or saint art magazine i don't know do we say saint art magazine i have never been given a clear answer okay yeah i i like start podcast so i'm gonna say it's start podcast start list the start start listening whatever the start listening podcast everything is i'm gonna give up no it's okay yeah i mean i i would say um i think it's saint art magazine but i would say start podcast because i think or start listening start not podcast. start not start podcast start listening or the start listening podcast um because a nice formal long name is quite fun but anyway we are back um successfully listened to big iron um at least i hope it went through um and, and we're back um oh, oh, no. the lights have gone off we are podcasting in the dark that's okay <laughs> i think it's just motion triggered so we can okay, figure that enough. out um Oh, spooky. Anyway, so this next part we were going to talk about the – it's actually one of my favorite novels ever, period, ever, um, which is On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. So a little background on the book, and I'm going to, like, talk about what it – I'm going to read a quote about someone who's, like, summarized it better than I could summarize it. No spoilers, please. Okay, I'm not going to – I'm not going to spoil I'm kidding, it. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, so the book is fictional, but it is um, partially autobiographical, so it – in an interview, he said, you know, I was going to start writing about just, like, pure autobiography, but then, you know, it took on a different kind of, like, literary life of its own. Um, so that's kind of why it's fictional, but most of the experiences in it are based on his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very sad, very emotional, but also very hopeful. Um, so the quote I was going to read is, so, uh, on Arthur Briefly Gorgeous takes the form of a letter that a young boy named Little Dog writes to his illiterate mother. In trying to explain himself, Little Dog reveals an identity fashioned out of violence and revisits some of the most poignant moments from his childhood, his family's trauma from the Vietnam War, drug addiction, finding lust and love, understanding his own sexuality, creating solidarity among the women in his family, and ultimately suffering a great loss. Uh, that's from The Atlantic. Uh, article by Kat Chow. So he is, I mean, most of it, the information that I just read actually happened to Ocean Vuong himself. So, you know, Vietnam War drug addiction, you know, find like exploring mm-hmm. sexuality. Um, and he was also raised by his mom and his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's a great loss at the end. No spoilers. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you what happens. It's okay. Um, even though you could I mean, you figure it out. Yeah. um, (laughs) So as I said before, it's he's writing a book for his mom who or to his mom. It's like a letter that 
but as we said before, she's illiterate. Well, she was. She unfortunately passed away in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but so <laughs> she, sorry, and I just lost my brain. So he's writing this this novel for himself, you kind of think, because, mm-hmm. you know, his mother's never going to be able to actually read it. And she's never going to be able to read any of his poetry. But um, he does often talk about how much of an impact that she's had on his life and how much of an impact his grandmother had on his life and, you know, being raised by women and being raised in kind of America, but with a, in a Vietnamese background is like very interesting. And he definitely talks about that, um, in the novel. So another thing, his, his mom, this was like very sweet and kind of makes me want to cry. Uh, but his mom would always come to his poetry readings that she could come to, um, whenever she could, even though she didn't understand what he was saying. Um, and he, he told the Poets and, Writer, Poets and Writers uh, magazine that she has come to a few of my readings and she sits in the room so she can look at the audience responding to my work. She calls me a scholar, not a poet, because in Vietnam, scholars are revered. So I think that is just kind of a testament to how proud she was of him oh, and how, how amazing kind of his, his relationship with her was. Um, and it's, it's, it's very sad actually, cause he won, um, I think a grant that would basically set him up for, you know, five, six years. Um, and then like a month later, his mom died. So oh. that's mm. pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still, it's still amazing. So. No, for sure. Does his, was his mother able to like speak English or was it, was it, was she only Vietnamese that she was able to speak, if you know? I am not completely sure, but I'm okay. pretty sure it was very limited. Um, English, I English, would assume. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very, I think, quite common for a lot of immigrants to the mm-hmm. United States, especially first generation is that. But um, no, that's very, I think, very sweet. And I think, you know, it's not only is it kind of a, not a only unique experience of like mothers being proud of children, but I think it's a, like really touching story. Um, I guess story maybe mm-hmm. the right word of kind of how despite like a language barrier you can kind of still show like reverence and I think that's the kind of thing that you might not see in a direct like mother uh, son way or father daughter but in, you can even see it in um, you know when you're traveling to a foreign country and not being able to speak the language but still kind of putting in the effort and showing yeah, that you care yeah and I, I think like language is only so much of a barrier I think there is that sense of universal language that we have. And I think you can clearly see that his own mother, um, despite not really understanding what's being said, there is that universal language of like humans can kind of show that she was able to see and understand and kind of be like able how to. how people were reacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of. Being... And I feel like you can definitely see on people like when they're connecting with something. And so if she was sitting in the audience, I'm sure, I'm sure she knew that you know, his work was impacting people. Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing about, like, this whole topic of, you know, the book is written to his mother who, who can't read. Mm-hmm. So you, you say, you know, on first glance, like, why would he write something to his mom that she can't understand? And then, you know, it's it kind of creates a sense that he's, like, writing this for himself. Um, and I think that is also really powerful because sometimes, you know, your family and you as well like you have this connection but maybe you don't want to actually say these things to them it's kind of like when people write like an open letter to their yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're like, like their to your family future member, self, like, or like we're to your future self yeah like, yeah that that's interesting stuff. i haven't thought about that but just to kind of reflect on his own experiences and, mm-hmm. and try and you know connect with people and explain 
you know, his background, I think is just, it's just amazing. I mean, the book is just amazing. I, it's, like I said, mm-hmm. one of my favorite books ever. Um, so I highly recommend that you read it. Um, there's also a, a very obviously large focus on Asian American immigrants. Um, and in one of his interviews with Seth Meyers, like Late Night with Seth Meyers, I think is the name mm-hmm. of Seth Meyers' show. I don't know. I don't know so exactly. So he said yeah. um, he wrote the book. He said he could have written the book about the same topics and placed it anywhere in like any setting in any time period. You know, he said like medieval England or whatever. But he said he really wanted to focus on Asian Americans as a way of this is a quote as a way of saying these bodies are inspiring to me and they're worthy of literature with a capital L. And I think that is, again, like everything he says, I'm just like, wow. But um very interesting especially as you know an English student for me to think about what is literature with a capital L you know like I feel like we have such a tendency to Thomas is trying to turn on the lights again (laughs) we have such a tendency to say you know oh you know war and peace that's like real literature and then you know something else isn't real literature and a lot of things that you know weren't written by men in the 19th century are not literature um and I think that is, first of all, really boring. Don't be <laughs> like that. Don't have that take. That's not a good take. Um, and also very limiting in the kind of perspectives that people are, people have available to them. Like we were talking about before, you know, just being able to read about and interact with perspectives that are not your own is is so important. And so important as humans and like empathetic people. Um, so I think literature with a capital L is is very interesting thing to think about especially in my own like studies that I'm doing and I think the English department here does a pretty good job of Mm -hmm. you know trying to diversify but I think a lot of people who've come from marginalized communities often feel like they are not represented in a lot of curriculum and a lot of capital L literature capital F film capital M music you know (laughs) so I think um things that are just seen as like you know the pinnacle or like the best are often very traditional and very old and i don't think that is the best way to view things no definitely i, I think i'm gonna go turn on the light by all means i think you, you just have to, to move that. but yeah um no i i think as well like when you're um considering um oh okay it is actually a switch sorry um oh the lights are on okay lovely we're not podcasting in the dark anymore or radio showing um but yeah, I, I think it's also really hard because it's almost like there is that sense of kind of arbitrary definition. Like what is literature with like a capital L? Like as you were kind of saying, it's like some people will look at like these, you know, classics and be like, oh, well, this is literature with a capital L. But like where does that line kind of cross between For sure. what, what is like um, – Because I guess like – because there's a difference between like literature versus like a classic, so to speak. And even that mm-hmm. that's like super arbitrary. Um, and I think – it's very interesting kind of seeing the the shift and it's not just in like literature, like um, kind of the focus on non-traditional like Western voices is definitely expanding, I think, across all departments. And I think it's the kind of thing that as a university student, I think you really focus on if you're in the humanities is and like social sciences is you're focusing on like, oh, well, these the frameworks that we like have built on that, um, you know, our disciplines are built on are, you know, incredibly Western Eurocentric mm-hmm. and and. It's about kind of correcting that and focusing on marginalized voices, um, which I think is one of the more important parts of university is kind of what you can learn about uh, those more marginalized communities. Especially and, like St. Andrews is so international. Like mm-hmm. you, 
I mean, we're both international students, yeah. but um, you you were just surrounded by people who are different from you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't get an experience like that or, you know, an experience where you're interacting with other folks that aren't like you, then you are just missing out on a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I do think that it's very interesting that he kind of tr- chose to kind of focus on, um, you know, as you said, like, because I think what we were kind of discussing earlier with the fact that literature is kind of transcendent, but the fact that, you know, these, these topics that he's focusing on could have been done anywhere, but he's choosing to do it on with this community and kind of bringing um, that aspect um, oh, like awareness. to light and given awareness and also being able to kind of, with his own personal experiences, being able to write, I'm sure, a more rich, diverse kind of story that he's able mm-hmm. to kind of make a more real world. But I think it kind of does lean back into the sense where it's like, um, it, it is like a transcendent kind of experience, which I think... It's what you've kind of talked about and how it's not just um, like you don't have to be an Asian American immigrant from Connecticut to get it. To understand. Right. To understand, to be able to to take lessons. And I think it's the kind of thing where I look back and obviously it's not the same, but it's like you don't have to like when you, for example, reading like Dante, like you don't have to be from like the 13th century in Italy to kind of because Dante's (laughs) like writing like a super um, kind of current thing where he's like making fun of and like roasting a lot of people that he, he knows <laughs> in his personal life. He said, these people are all in hell and I'm going to tell you why. Yes, exactly, exactly. But you don't have to be from the 13th century in Italy right, to right. get it and to have it have meaning and to be a significant text. And I think that is where you get into like that sense. I think of cl- capital L literature is where you can get a sense of like, you can... Transcendence. Yeah, there, there's like a transcendent part of literature that I think is so magical, but... I think that's where you kind of cross into the boundaries of like capital L literature is where it can be transcendent. I think some things are more transcendent for others, but that's where I almost feel like it's important because, and I, I see some people, like I've seen it online, but I think online people complain about everything, but it's like, um, <laughs> about like, complain about everything. yeah, but um, it's, it's the whole quote of like 90% of Twitter is people making up a person and then arguing against them. But um, just like people complaining about, um, like older stuff about like it not being like relevant to them. And it's like, we don't have to be someone from like ancient Greece to kind of get Homer and to like to to get lessons from it. Um, And I think that's like a good part of like literature and school growing up and like part of adolescence Mm -hmm. is being able to use it to, to kind of get, like to to get something from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think another thing coming from like very American perspective, this, this book does deal a lot with um, PTSD and also the like horrible, horrible violence that um, his family went through in the Vietnam War. And at the same time, he also writes in a couple of his poems and also the book about how his um, his grandfather was actually an American soldier. So um, there was, trigger warning for sexual assault, there was, um, his, his mom was raped by an American soldier. So he, he says, you know, I wouldn't be here, my family wouldn't be here unless there was a war, but we are also not here because of the war. Um, and I, I think like, that is... I think recognizing that you're tied to that is, is so important because it's like you're, you're, you can't escape your past, right? Cannot, he, like, right? he cannot separate himself from the experiences because that's why he, he came as a refugee to the U.S. was from... Because mm-hmm. his family was yeah, yeah, escaping. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is kind of... Everything he writes just makes you think, but that was something that was especially... You know, we get a very limited sense of historical perspective i think in history classes because there's mm-hmm. only so much you can say really i mean there's only so much you there's can only learn so much in school there's only so much yeah time. There's, there's only so much time basically um mm-hmm. so to read about like real life effects on people and also just like not being able to separate yourself from 
you know, violence and war and oppression that you face, but still managing to find hope and joy, I think is one of his, his main, you know, what's the word? Like his main contributions, I guess. Not contributions, or but like his main goals in writing is right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. reflecting on his past, reflecting on his self, himself, but then still creating and reminding us that there is that sense of like love, compassion, and hope in like every aspect mm-hmm. of the world. And I think that's that's really an amazing message, and probably the message that everyone should be hearing. Um, yeah, um, and I'm going to read this quote. Um, that he said in an interview with Tricycle Magazine. Oh, true. Um, pardon? I said, oh, true. Oh, yes. So It's very long. Um, it's way. not that long. Um, will we choose fear or will we choose compassion and love? These are very strong, but I've learned in my short 28 years that anger and fear exhaust me. Whereas if I do work out of love and compassion and kindness, I'm actually nourished. It's a sustainable energy. There are days where I say, I'm too terrified. I'm too tired. I'm too depressed. I can't do it. Those days happen, but my goal is to always return to the sustainable resource of compassion. I think my best poems come out of compassion rather than fear. And I think that quote is, I think, quite indicative of kind of what we've been talking about. And I think mm-hmm. um, kind of speaks as well to the fact of his past, kind of clinging to the sense of compassion that he's got from that and paying it forward in a sense through literature. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I think it's also just the kind of good way to think about life is i think it's a really like inspiring at least for me like a very inspiring quote to remember because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of days for me especially that i feel like i can't do anything for Um, sure for sure and to kind of know that there's other people who have gone through it and and also to be reminded that you know the best things most of the best things come out of compassion and Mm -hmm. love and kindness and acceptance um is again one of the the best messages that that you could put out into the world. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of when you see it from someone who you might look at and say, "Oh, they're this like incredible figure who writes this incredible literature," but they also do the same thing. I think it kind of makes them seem very human, mm-hmm. which I think is very important for looking at people who write literature is kind of recognizing that they are human, um, like you. And especially like coming from such honestly a horrific background, and you know, drug addiction, you know being you know hated on because of his race because of his sexuality you know not fitting in anywhere not not ever being seen is what he he often talks about not ever being seen by people um to overcome that and and really really touch people with your work is is just a testament to how how amazing his work is and how how transcendent it is to use your previous word um, and I guess we can kind of finish up with another quote that I found by him, uh, which is from the Amanpour, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, and company interview. So he says, the hard work, the real work requi- that requires innovation is to be known. And one of the most perennially powerful, perennially powerful ways to be known is to be an artist. Um, and I think, honestly, that has a lot of relevance to our podcast mm-hmm. idea of just sure. being like art um, and, and writing and music and film and photography and Visual art is just another way to like be known and be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I think like that's I think a good thing to wrap up on is the fact that art is um, so it's such a great way to be known and to kind of sh- express yourself. And I think everyone mm-hmm. should kind of participate in some form of artistic um, passion. 
Um, so I think we're going to play another song, and then we're going to kind of go into a bit more of a meta discussion about like the magazine itself. Um, mm-hmm. So update magazine yes. update. Yes, yes, yes. So start 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 date. Never yes. mind. Start date. Something <laughs> start like that. date. Um, so this song is called Sonate Pacifique um, by L'Imperatrice. La Croissant. La Croissant. Wait, oui, vraiment. <laughs> um, I really love this song. I think it's really beautiful. Um, so we're going to um, play it now. <gasps> I was enjoying the funky moment that we had there. Oh, yeah. So we are back, um, and it's time for, again, the lovely weekly wrap-up of... Weekly wrap-up. We could maybe call it that. I don't know. Still TBD. But we're doing our weekly review of what's happening on the website in terms of articles. Yes, and that website is... uh, You can go to start-magazine dot square pa- squarespace dot com um you'll be able to read any yeah. of these articles this week's sponsor of the podcast is square- <laughs> is no unfortunately we're not sponsored by squarespace um but we or do anything if you want to sponsor us please yeah please, please get do. in touch um we would be glad to have you um yeah. but yeah we are it's start dash magazine dot squarespace dot com we might get rid of the dot squarespace tbd that's if we get a sponsor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because we don't have any money. Exactly, yes. Um, um. But so we have an article from Kylie Lamis in the music section, which is called I Can Hear Colors and I Am Not Crazy. And it's about uh, her synesthesia. And she is actually going to come on the pod in like two weeks. Yes, I believe um, is our plan. We um. are extremely excited about that because I have never met a person with synesthesia, but I have... I, I'm like so interested by it. I think it's like super yeah, cool. Yeah, I think so. it's, it's really, really cool. I, I think... Um, yeah, I just think it's amazing. And I think it's the kind of thing where in two weeks' time, hopefully, when we have um, Kylie on, it gives us the chance to kind of play some of our songs, that we, potentially our favorite songs that we like, and see... I thought maybe she could play songs for us, and we could be like, is it orange? And yeah. she'd be like, no. Or Yeah, or th- <laughs> in that sense. but Or even just discuss, because in that article, Kylie discusses um, only a few colors, not every color on the rainbow, obviously, but um, I don't... I think... I don't exactly know all of the colors that get discussed, but I think it's... Well, just give it a read. It's super interesting. Yes, yes, yes. That's I, In terms of all of the articles um, for this week, I would say, or it's definitely the most interesting, I would say. No offense to the other articles, but I think it's synesthesia is just so cool. Are you cool. saying my article isn't interesting, Thomas? Well, you said that first, so... Hey! Um, <laughs> so that, that's, I think, our... Um, that's my rec yes, for this week. recommendation of the um, week. So we also have Claire Rinter... I'm really sorry. Don't her yeah. name. Um, which is When I Am Depressed, which is a photo series. Um, honestly, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Very like old age, like very 20s, moody, very moody, moody vibes. Um, um, so those pictures are up on our Instagram, Facebook, and the website, obviously. Then we had Nicole Selu, I think. She reviewed uh, Catwalk 2023, which was uh, called Indie Sleaze and Attitude. She kind of talks about um, how that show went, how that fashion show went, which is cool. And then um, me, I published an article, a travel article, uh, called The Magic of the Young Scott Card and Where It Can Take You. And that is because I love my Young Scott Card, also not sponsored. Um, but it just, <laughs> if you're a uni student here, you can go a lot of places in the UK for free. And that is a really a big advantage for people who are trying to travel on a budget, lots of students. Um, so I I said of some of my favorite picks that you can you can not picks like my favorite places you can go using the young scott card um 
and just kind of like some tips about traveling with the young scott card yeah, again would highly recommend anyone who goes to this university <laughs> it's free you get to go on buses for free it's great yeah and you can get to dra for free too yeah exactly yeah i mean the, the reality is is you just need like if you're international you just need excite you just have to have proof of residence. Yeah, you just need to have proof of residence. Um, you can use, it's either you can use a UK driver's license or you need proof of residence and a passport mm. or a BRP and um, a passport, I believe, yeah. um, for, to, to apply. Um, but yeah, go use the free buses. I don't know why you wouldn't, even if you don't really use it. Um, it's just good. It's good to have options. I mean, you can have. get to Edinburgh in like two and a half hours. And yeah. There's so much stuff in Edinburgh. Yeah, exactly. And it saves you from having to basically go to Lucas and then take another train. Oh, not Lucas. Anyway, um, so we have another thing that was actually just published called uh, Mr. Carousel. I think that is a, yeah, that's a creative writing piece by Audrey Heron. Mm-hmm. I have not had a chance to look at that yet. Um, and then Thomas has his first article up, um, photos yeah. um, from Barcelona. Yes. So um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but... The first episode. But yeah, so the week before this term, I went to Barcelona. My cousin's doing a year abroad. Um, he's working there. Um, so I went and visited him. It was a pretty short trip because I got back the Wednesday and the only cheap flights were flying like late on the Friday and mm-hmm. early on the Monday. So it was really like not even 48 hours in Barcelona. But um, you, t- you mean it takes these pictures in 48 hours? I know, exactly. Wow. Um, I took quite a lot of good photos. Um, there's only... Um, seven photos in the actual post eight Eight, sorry there's eight in the actual (laughs) post uh there's about 20 or so that i took that i really like are you gonna put them Um, on your website uh yeah i need to update my portfolio but um yeah again if you want to go to my portfolio it is uh, this is really just a podcast so you can talk about your portfolio thomasrhen.myportfolio.com um but yeah if i'm looking (laughs) at some of my um like it's it's a kind of thing where i basically discuss in the brief spiel at the start um, the fact that being in a city is really nice, especially being in St. Andrews all the time, you kind of lose a lot of the aspects that you can get from a city, essentially that feeling of anonymity and kind of seeing people live their lives. Um, Interesting perspective because I really hate big cities. <laughs> yeah, uh, see, see, I think it, it's just, just a very um, personal thing. Like for me, I've been in big cities all my life and I really like the aspect of being in a city and kind of not feeling like you're... Um, There's too many people. That's what I love. I love, I love that fact. Like, the feeling that you're not like, um, you're just another person in like a crowd. Whereas in St. Andrews, it always feels like you're, you're always liable to run into people. Whereas like at home, if I'm in like a big city or if I'm traveling, like, and I see someone I know, it's like a, it's a surprise. Like it's a pleasant surprise. Whereas Life hacks just pretend you don't know them. If, well, that's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> but here in St. Andrews, you kind of, you know, it's a whole cliche of you can't go anywhere without seeing anyone you know, which is true. Um, Fair. But yeah, I, I just really liked um, that trip. It was really nice to go somewhere warm and take really a bunch of photos. Pictures. Yeah, I, I really liked it. So I would recommend you guys look at that. It's also on our Instagram and Facebook. Oh, and if you're listening to this, you probably already follow our Instagram page, but we have an Instagram page um, for the podcast. It is st.art.listening. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those are pretty. Yeah, so there was a very nice... You should just um, post another one. Well, I could post um, another one, but yeah. There's <laughs> anyway, so we're almost out of time, so I guess we should play our... Last song. Last which song, I and think... say goodbye, and hope you guys liked talking about Ocean Vong with us. Um, and I really, 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 really recommend just, like, Googling him. You can read some of his poems that are up. Beautiful, beautiful writing, and um, get Unearthed Briefly Gorgeous from yes. the library or wherever you get your books from. 
So I believe we'll be able to play a song from Wolfpack called Back Pocket, um, which I really like. Um, so I'm going to press the auto-fade button, and it, I think, should Bye start. Y'all. Which I think it has, so goodbye. Um, we will see you Have a good week. next week.